How's it going? Good. Well, tonight uh, is all about greatness. And so I want to share with you the greatest moment of my life so far, apart from finding Jesus, of course. Uh, And that was followed by the world record for being humbled by an overly confident guy. I'm the overly confident guy. So I just want to paint you a little mental picture tonight. The year is 2014, December 6th. It was a beautiful Saturday night. I had planned the greatest and most elaborate engagement of all time that has ever been and possibly ever will come. (laughs) Alicia had no idea it was coming, which was a bad thing because I knew she hated surprises. I had arranged for her to go out with Pastor Helen, making her think or letting her think it was her idea the whole time when really I'd set it all up. Meanwhile, I'd found a spot that overlooked the water. There were candles spread across the table and surrounding area. Yeah, gets better, gets better. Fairy lights covering the trees. As she showed up, she found a box on the candle-filled table which contained 101 cards, each with a reason why I loved her printed on them. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't hard, it wasn't hard, it wasn't hard. As she read them, our song began playing from the car. When your legs don't work like they used to before. Yeah, yeah. I walked down the curving staircase that was behind her so she wouldn't see me coming. Fireworks were at the ready. Will For the moment, she said yes. The taste of my love? Just to top off this magical moment. Will your I got to the bottom of the stairs, tapped her on the shoulder. She turned, and while I was expecting her, first words to be something like, oh my gosh, or you're amazing. Remember, she hates surprises. <laughs> the first words out of her mouth were, I hate you. <laughs> and in my greatest moment, I felt somewhat deflated. But I pressed on, and we're getting married in January. At the start of tonight, you were asked a question, what is greatness? To some, greatness is found in success. When I have the right job, the right paycheck, the right title, then I'll be great. To others, it's found in possessions. When I have that car, that house, those shoes, then I'll be great. Even in church, we want greatness. When I can sing like the worship leader, preach like the pastor, or hear from God like those youth do on a Wednesday night. Then I'll be great. See, we all want to be great in some way, and that's not a bad thing, but the problem is we all go about it the wrong way. Well, not all of us, but we go about it the wrong way. We don't seek greatness in the kingdom. Instead, we seek greatness in the world, and we strive for goals that when we get to them, ultimately leave us exhausted and unfulfilled. Like the skit earlier with the two boys waiting for the bus. We live our lives on ifs and whens. We say things like, when I finish uni get a job, have money, find a wife, start a family, pay off the house, retire, then I'll be truly great. And we miss the fact that God is calling us to be great right here, right now. Greatness in the world is simply this, to look like I have it all together, to outdo, outthink, outwork everyone else so that others think I'm great. 
We get so busy seeking the approval of others that we forget whose approval is most important. To live a life that makes us great in the kingdom means to not seek a life that makes us great in the first place. Like the song we just heard says, I found my life when I laid it down. To find our lives, we first have to lose them. To be great in the kingdom is found when we're in a place of surrender, on our knees. Here I am, Lord. Use me. So often we want the benefits, but are we willing to do what's needed to get there? Perhaps we find it so hard because to be great in the kingdom means to go totally against the culture of the world. To go up in the world means self-promotion, but to go up in the kingdom means to give a life of devotion. Greatness in the kingdom takes a shift in our thinking and day-to-day living. Jesus spoke many times of our need to die to self. He didn't mean self-control. He meant putting aside our ways and our mindsets and taking up his ways and his mindsets. It means a shift in our whole way of life. There's many ways we can do this, but I want to look at how taking on the mindset of Christ through sacrifice will shift us from a focus on greatness in the world to greatness in the kingdom. Greatness in the kingdom takes sacrifice on our part, and that shouldn't come as a surprise, but for some, for some reason it does. We're happy to sacrifice our time, our money, for things like education or more awesome stuff. But you ask someone to come to prayer meeting or show up early on a Sunday and help, suddenly, oh, I've had a long week, my back hurts, I've got a headache. In Luke 14, Jesus tells us that to follow him will come at a great cost. We must put God and his kingdom before everything else we do. So why then do we find it so hard to do? Because for most of us, we just don't think about it. But tonight is all about challenging and inspiring each one of us to be more than just spectators. It's time we put Jesus first in everything we do. Make the sacrifices needed to see God's kingdom be greater and our plans become second. So I want to look at three aspects of sacrifice that you can expect to come from seeking God's kingdom because to be, because to be truly great requires great sacrifice. First of all, sacrifice means seeking first the kingdom. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom and your needs will be met in Matthew 6.33. The problem is often we confuse our needs with our wants and we get disheartened when it doesn't happen. To be great in the kingdom, we first have to seek it. That means putting aside our own desires, our own wants and our own gain. It means putting God's will before our own. In the skit we just saw, we saw someone struggling to give Jesus control of their life Because if we're honest, if we're really honest, letting life be out of our control is hard, and it takes a sacrifice. What I love about this church is that Pastor Tark always reminds us that it's the Holy Spirit who runs this place, not Him. To have that kind of mindset doesn't come from simply deciding to do it one day. It means daily sacrificing our plans for plans that we wouldn't have chosen for ourselves, necessarily. When we decide to let God have control and we seek first His kingdom, we actually end up better off than where we would have ended up on our own. We all want the result, but don't don't necessarily want to put the sacrifice in to get there. In my own life, I see the benefit of this every day. The only reason I'm here is because many years ago, I was seeking my own direction in life. I was studying to be a teacher, but I wasn't satisfied in it, and I had an overwhelming feeling that God was telling me it was wrong. Isn't it funny how we develop incredible prayer lives through times of great struggle? 
I felt like I should drop out and move back home. Everyone I knew told me not to do it. They were saying it was a stupid idea. It was only one year. Just stick it out. Only one friend, my friend Mark, told me that if it was what I felt God was saying to do, then do it. And so I did. If I hadn't done, there, hadn't done that, I wouldn't be here because when I moved back home, I randomly met Pastor Sam, who asked me if I wanted an intern at this place called Church Unlimited. And looking back, I see how God's kingdom and his plans, fit by seeking God's kingdom and his plans first, even though it took sacrifice, led me to where I was meant to be all along. I'm fulfilled, I have a purpose, I have an awesome fiancé, and I see that God always knows what's best for us. It doesn't always make sense, but greater is the one who's in me than him who's in the world. Second, sacrifice means humbling ourselves. Humility is so much more than being well-mannered or avoiding arrogance. It's about humbling ourselves in such a way that our focus moves from us and is solely on Jesus. John the Baptist understood this in full when he said he must increase and I must decrease. When we realize that our actions and our speech, if wrapped in an attitude of humility, can direct, direct people towards Jesus, it changes how we live our lives and how we treat people. Suddenly that beggar that you walk past every day isn't in our way, they're in our heart. Those kids who vandalized your property stop being a threat and start being your mission field. That prostitute that we see in the street, that we used to look at with shame, we now only see with love. The sacrifice is that we have to put others before ourselves. Self-promotion becomes a thing of the past. And his promotion and his glory is all that matters. We do it so that others might know his name, his character, his love, and most of all, his salvation. We must become less so that he becomes more. Philippians 4 Verse 4 to 8 says, Let each one of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of a man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death on a cross." Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice of humility by literally giving up his position in heaven that he might come to serve mankind and be crucified so that we would have the ability to receive eternal life. If Jesus, the Son of God, was willing to do this, how much more should we be willing to sacrifice just to reach others? Your job title doesn't matter. The brand that's on your shoes is not important. What matters is your willingness to put the things that the world considers great behind you Humble yourself and reach out to those who are in need. Finally, sacrifice means taking up your cross daily. Luke 9.23, Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus never said, If anyone wants to follow me, take up your couch and have a seat. <laughs> he kind of went the other way with that and not only told us that it would take sacrifice, but he set the bar pretty high on what it meant to be fully sold out to the cause. He calls us to daily put aside the desires and plans we might have for our own lives and take up the things that he's called us to do. And what does that look like? It might mean you need to sacrifice sleep, 
to help friends in need. It might mean going without food for a day or two as you fast and pray for something to change in your situation. It might mean using that money that you work so hard for every week to help feed a family in need. Whatever it is, you can expect that you will have to deny your own desires and wants and pick up that cross and say, Lord, I choose to follow you. And as you do that, you bring greatness to the kingdom of heaven. If we can just have the band back up, that would be awesome. Seeking the kingdom first, humbling ourselves, taking up our cross. What does it all mean to us right now? To be truly great requires great sacrifice. In Philippians 1:21, Paul puts it as simple as this: To live is Christ, and to die is gain. The point is that when we seek greatness, we aren't seeking it for ourselves, but the glory of God. When Jesus said that we must take up our cross and follow him, he wasn't speaking to the pastors and prophets. He was speaking to every single one of us. We're all called to do this. We're all called to show the world what it means to live as Christ. In your school, to live as Christ. In your university, to live as Christ. In your workplace, to live as Christ. In your home, in the mall, in that cafe, in the street, with your friends, at youth, at church, wherever you go, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because to be truly great requires great sacrifice.